0: Good morning and welcome, all you out there online. So good to see you, even not, if I can't see you face to face, I know that you're there and we are so thankful that you have chosen to join us in celebrating. Is this not the best day, the best day of all eternity? Is this day that Jesus came out of the grave? This moment is the hinge pin upon which the doors of freedom and salvation swing open to all of us. Our prayer is that you not only hear these messages from God today, but that you listen to them as well. Hey, we're going to have communion here later as we do every week. It is the chance that we can, uh, we can join in with this sacrifice that Jesus, that Jesus had and remind ourselves of what, what he did, the, the price that he paid on the cross. And I encourage you, take this moment if you haven't already to go and get some, of the, get some things that you can use for our communion time. And also, just want you to know that the church is not resting at all. The church is not standing still. It is continuing to mobilize. It is continuing to fight against the enemy. And it is continuing, she is continuing to spread the good news. And we are doing that here at Southwood. So we encourage you to continue to be faithful in your giving and to support our ministries and our missions. In person, you can send them in by mail. Or you can also go to our website and click on there and and give online. Was buried beneath my shame.
1: Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my team. Till I met you. And I was breathing.
0: so much, Jesus, for being that, that redemptive part for us, Lord. We thank you for that glorious day that gives us all that we need, this rescue. I needed rescue, my sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, and
1: you come. me.
2: you to really just enjoy this easter morning if you're not up dancing feel free to get up and dance no one can see you you're at home and if you have kids they're probably already dancing so just join in um, But go ahead and give somebody a hug give some high fives cody will send out our our virtual greeting um, we just want you to continue to worship we're so glad that you're with us this easter let's just continue to sing nice to worship with you guys. We miss you. Um, we're getting ready to take a time of communion. And um, Yesterday I went for a walk. I was practicing and I had the baby in the stroller. So I've got the worship music kind of blasting it. I listen to it aloud when I've got to hear listen to her listen for her. Um, and I was just feeling really stressed and overwhelmed by everything going on. And um, all of a sudden I just heard her start to sing. And I'm going to cry because it's just like the coolest thing to see your child hear the words of the Lord and worship and I just felt this peace come over me, and I just noticed the moment I was in, and the sun was shining, and I was walking past these pear trees that were blooming, and they smelled good, and my daughter is singing, and I just thought, you know, like even in these hard times, like God still gives us these little gifts, these simple gifts of his presence, of the changing season, a moment to slow down, and I just, I pray that you would take these moments right now, like as hard as this is, Take the moments that we have right now and just reflect on your time with him. Grow closer to him. The song we just sang made me think of this verse, and it was in a video a couple weeks ago, but it's been something that I've held on to through this time, and it's um, Psalm 46, um, 1, 2, and 3, and it says, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. But the waters roar in foam and the mountains quake and they're surging and I just thought that was so beautiful that even though it feels like the mountains are falling to the into the sea right now we don't have to fear because of what he did on this day so many years ago he saved us he rose from the grave and gave us everything that we need for our life and for salvation so we're going to take a time of communion and I just pray you would Get that bread, get that juice at home. Um, Just take a moment and remember him, thank him. Search out the things that he, he wants for you during this time. And just let me pray for you here. Father God, I just pray that you're with everyone out there watching this live stream and everyone in our church and in the church at large. God, that you would just use this time to draw us closer to you, Father. God, I know there's so much fear and anxiety and uncertainty, not just with the virus, but with our whole world right now. Father, and you are greater than all of that. God, you are greater than all that fear. Father, we're thankful for what you've done for us, and we celebrate that this morning. I pray you draw near to us. Let your presence rest heavy on everyone who is out there listening, who, those who have ears to hear. God, I just pray that you'd be with them. Give them that gift of salvation.
3: Well, good morning, Southwoods. Happy Easter. We're thrilled that you've tuned in and are joining us this morning. And uh, we're just, uh, we're so grateful for our risen Lord, and we're grateful for you. Before we dive into uh, this morning's message time, I just want to invite you, if you would, let's bow our heads together. There are thousands of churches all over America and the world, actually thousands and thousands, many thousands of churches praying right now on a regular basis on Sunday mornings for God to, uh, to just intervene with regard to this COVID-19 pandemic, and we want to be right there with Him. So just invite you to bow your heads with me wherever you are and join me in prayer. Just agree with me in your spirit as, uh, as I word a prayer that lots of us are praying uh, this weekend, all right? Heavenly Father, we humbly call upon Your name, asking You for supernatural peace and strength. In Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul speaks of the spiritual power of prayer. Your word says that when we pray according to your will, our prayers are mighty, they're powerful. So, Almighty God, together with believers all around the world right now, we ask you to shield us, to shield our families, our churches, our cities, the nations of the world from the ongoing effects of COVID 19. Would you break its power, Lord? Lord, we ask you to shield all doctors, nurses, first responders, all the people who are vulnerable in our culture and community from contracting this this virus. We ask for this, Lord. Lord, we ask you to put fresh words of faith and comfort and healing and salvation into the mouths of your people around the world. Give pastors and their congregations the inspiration, the vision, the faith they need to fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel on this Resurrection morning. Lord, we ask you to deliver our world from despair, from panic. In this uncertain time, may you make it so that people will find true comfort, strength, peace, and deliverance for their souls as they call upon your name. Oh, Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you that you care. And we humbly ask all these things... In the loving and powerful name of our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you for for joining with me in prayer and would encourage you to continue to do that. Uh, I know God is honored by our prayers. He hears our prayers and they do make a difference. They do make a difference. Well, for several weeks, we've all been constantly face-to-face with mortality tables, death counts, the threat of death, our own death, the threat of death of people who are close to us that we care about. I mean, we're constantly seeing charts like the ones we put up on your screen here right here for you to see. Charts of, of just how many deaths are taking place a day and we're seeing hospital photos in the news and empty streets all over cities of our land. And, and let's be honest, it's a terrible burden to bear. It sort of creates a type of trauma of the spirit in all of us. It just saps the hope, saps the joy out of life. It leaves us feeling fear. It leaves us feeling uncertainty. Exhaustion is a byproduct of all this. Well, today, what I want to do, I want to remind you that there is a God in the heavens who wants to lift that burden from your shoulders, from your spirit, And he didn't send an ambassador to do it. He didn't send an angel to do it. He stepped down from his throne. He robed himself in flesh. And he personally entered our world to do something about death's domination over you and over me. And during the next few minutes, I invite you to listen really close as we work our way through a couple of passages of Scripture. And I want you to let Jesus, our mighty, loving Savior, Lift the smothering burden of fear and death from your shoulders, from your spirit. He wants to do that, and he wants you to let him do that in the next few moments. To help you experience what he wants for us to experience this morning, I just invite you uh, to uh, open your Bibles with me to uh, John chapter 11. We're going to look at a transformational moment in the ministry of Jesus. It's recorded here in this passage of the Bible this event took place only a couple of weeks before Jesus' own death and resurrection. One of Jesus' close friends, a man named Lazarus, had unexpectedly died. And so Jesus traveled to his friend's hometown to see his family, presumably to pay his own last respects to, uh, uh, to Lazarus and to uh, his family and so on. But according to the biblical count, Jesus had more in mind than just paying his last respects. Because as you'll see, Jesus was not very fond of death. I want you to listen carefully as we read and reflect together on Lazarus' story and apply it to us, apply it to the time in which you and I currently live and things that we need to process as we're in the middle of this. And uh, just listen and see if God doesn't have something to say to you. And if His Spirit won't strengthen you and lift your spirit some. John 11, we're going to start at verse 17. This is what the Bible tells us. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, Bethany was the hometown of Lazarus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, He was told that Lazarus had already been in His grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming... She went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. I want us to pause from reading right here. You know, life and death are often filled with if-only statements. Most of us have made some of those statements along the way. You think of right now, a lot of if-only statements. If only we'd gone to the doctor sooner. Some people are saying that right now in our culture. If only we'd have understood the symptoms better. If only we'd had this or that medication, maybe something would be different about our lives in this moment. If only this had happened or that had happened. And probably some of us are saying, sort of like Martha, if only God had heard our prayers and showed up sooner. Lots of us have felt that kind of thing. And some of us get stuck in the if-only stage of grief. And it's easy to do. It's just really common. Notice how Martha, though, in our text, Martha, Lazarus' sister, dealt with her if-only feelings. Remember, she said, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then verse verse 21, she goes on and says to Jesus, notice what she says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Martha didn't camp in the land of if only. She honestly acknowledged her feelings, her grief, her disappointment with God, even in this moment, with Jesus himself that he hadn't shown up earlier. She honestly acknowledged those things, but she was emotionally willing to move on, still trusting in God's goodness, still trusting in His ability to intervene in the here and now, still trusting that what what was not her preference, that God still had a plan, a good plan. The text goes on to tell us that Jesus told her, Your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, He will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. I mean, she just thought to herself, you know, Jesus is thinking about, you know, the future way down the path, but Jesus had something else in mind, as you'll see in a moment. Now, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this particular passage, but I have to bring something out here in Martha's words in verse 24. It's important that we understand that the Jews in Jesus' day, predominantly believed that the dead would one day be resurrected. I mean, Martha's just acknowledging that here when she says he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. They believed that, that a day, the majority believed that a day would come when the dead would be resurrected. And they believed it because unlike many in our day, they had read Daniel chapter 12, they had read Job chapter 19, they had read Isaiah 26, 19, which says, Real clearly, just listen to this passage. Look at it on your screen. It just says, those who die in the Lord will live. Their bodies will rise again. Those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy. For your life-giving light will fall like dew on your people in the place of the dead. I mean, clearly, one of many passages in the Old Testament saying to everyone who has ears to hear that a day is coming when the dead will rise. And Martha, Mary, Lazarus, most people in their day knew their Bibles and believed that the dead would one day be resurrected. But on this occasion, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus, in this particular occasion, was revealing something transformational about his identity to his friends then and his friends now, you and me. Verse 25, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha, he asked. I mean, this is such a revolutionary statement and sometimes it can fall on familiar ears to you and me. But you have to get the revolutionary rogue nature of what Jesus was trying to say here. Look at it one more time. I am the resurrection and the life Anyone who believes in me can live, will live. Even after dying, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? And this morning I have to ask you, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is speaking the truth or do you think he's just telling people what they want to hear? Speaking to weak minds timid souls, words that they want to hear. Well, Martha responded with these words in verse 27. She says, yes, Lord, she told him, I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who's come into the world from God. And then she returned to Mary and she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher's here and wants to see you. So, Mary immediately went to him, and a few verses later, the Bible tells us that when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Listen again, Lord only, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him. But some said, The man healed blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. We need to pause right here so I can ask you this question. Who was Jesus angry with in this moment? Was he angry with Mary? who just said, you know, if only you'd been here, Lord. Was he, was he mad at her for her disappointment? Was he mad at Martha because of her disappointment? Was he mad at Lazarus? Maybe he'd, maybe he'd not socially distanced himself appropriately and he got gotten infected with a virus and died. So he's mad at Lazarus. Is that what that is? You think that's what's really going on here? Maybe, maybe he's mad at the crowd of mourners who are gathered here and weeping. Is that who he's mad at? Let me just answer that by saying no. He's not mad at any of those people. And I want you to watch Jesus' divine temper tantrum, if you will, because it reveals who he was upset at. And yes, I said divine temper tantrum. Deal with it. okay? But watch the nature of his divine temper tantrum. Verse 32, Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, or 39, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded. Remember, he was mad. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. And Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him, let him go. Jesus' temper tantrum here was unlike any temper tantrum that you or I have ever had. Instead of going on a tirade and breaking things in his anger like you or I might be tempted to do, Jesus was deeply angry at the the tyranny of evil, sin, and death. And what does he do? He rebels against the natural order of things that you and I understand to be normal. And what's he do? He heals and restores a dead man's life. This is how God has a temper tantrum. Maybe some of us need to rethink how we view his anger and our theology of that a little bit to include this kind of thinking. Jesus in this moment went rogue. And what he did that day was just the beginning. He was just getting warmed up. A few weeks later when Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross and died. You remember what happened? The Bible's really clear. At that moment, it says, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. Here again, he's disrupting the natural order of things. Jesus rebelling against what had become normal. Three days later, what happened? We all know. We gather this day in our homes to remember exactly what took place. The scriptures tell us this, that early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. And then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there. Remember what I've told you. And as they went, the Bible tells us Jesus met them and greeted them and they ran to him and they grasped his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. This was a stunning moment. A moment they could not have imagined. But Jesus was turning the natural order of things upside down. And according to Jesus' own words, what began on that day, what began on the cross when he died, and what began at Lazarus' tomb was just the beginning. Listen to what Jesus says. John 5 says, don't be so surprised. He's telling his disciples, then and his disciples' Now he's saying, Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. It's because of passages like this that people have looked at the looked at, at John eleven, where Jesus says, Lazarus come forth, and thought to themselves, It's a good thing, Jesus said. Lazarus, come forth. Because the prophecy of Scripture is that one day he will speak to all men and women and children throughout the earth, come forth from your graves. Today what you and I celebrate is this, friends. It is not Jesus' objective to flatten the curve. Jesus came to reverse the curse, the curve. That's why he came. And today, that's why we celebrate. That's why we remember that he's unlike any other religious figure in all of time and history. You can go visit their graves. You got to look for Jesus, you got to look for his. And you check all the empty ones because He's not there. He's risen. And you know, what this reveals to us about Jesus is that Jesus is not fond of death. But think about this. Do You know what His death reveals to us about Him? What it reveals to us about God? The fact that he would endure death, which he hates, which he despises, which he rebels against, the fact that he would endure it indicates that Jesus is rather, shall we say, fond of you. He's fond of me, fond of us. You don't have to take my word for it. I mean, this is exactly why Jesus says, and explains about the Father, says, you know, for God sent, uh, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting, eternal life. It's a statement of God's overwhelming love for you and for me. Scripture doesn't stop there. It, just, it repeats the echoes that over and over and over again. And one other passage that I just have to share with you is in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And maybe this is worth you noting and reflecting on in the days ahead as we continue in this crisis, unless today happens to be the day that God shuts it down, which He can do that, you know. And we're praying for that. But listen to this passage. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could He die. And only by dying could He break the power of the devil who had, who held the power of death. Only in this way could He set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Friends, this morning, I just say you just, you think of the weight of our world on us right now. Would you just let it go? And you understand that you are loved by an extraordinary God with an extravagant love and His great longing is that you would look heavenward and instead of being stuck in grief in all kinds of if-onlys, that you would look heavenward and just put your faith, your trust, your hope in Jesus who came to forgive your sins. Will you just say in your spirit, Lord Jesus, I choose you. Thank you for forgiving me. Would you put your faith and trust for victory over death in Jesus who hates death and came to destroy death and the devil who had the power of it so that you, who feel its oppression right now, could be set free. Set free of the fear of it. Set free if it finds you somehow. Because remember Jesus' words, he just says. We looked at it a few moments ago. I am the resurrection and the life. If you put your faith in him, Though you die, you don't really die. Will you just put your faith for victory over death in him? Just say, I do. Lord Jesus, I reject and renounce the fear, and I put my faith in you. This Easter, this Resurrection Sunday... Look heavenward and choose Jesus as your living hope in our world that's decaying and dying as we speak. That's what He came for. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me right where you are. We're going to pray together, and then we're going to listen uh, to one more song. I invite you, if you know the song, right where you are, sing it. Sing it like you've always wanted to sing it in church but been timid to because somebody will hear you. You know, Just sing it that way with us this morning. And... Uh, Let God lift the burden as you turn your faith toward Him, all right? Father, we thank You for Your kindness, Your goodness. We thank You for the salvation that You made possible for us through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We thank You that what began, what began with Lazarus and continued at the cross and what expanded at His own resurrection and what has continued since that day and what is predestined by your power to happen in the days ahead. The resurrection of all the righteous. God, we just ask that you would fill us with faith and peace and hope. That just as you're the light of the world, Lord Jesus, you'd help us to reflect that light, that hope, that love everywhere we go thank you that you hate death because we do too. We thank you. You've extended life to us now and forever. We choose it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Happy Easter. Enjoy this song. Sing it from your heart and receive its message.
1: It's
0: changes everything thank you Father for the gift of your son if you are listening this morning if you are watching from home and you have never heard that message in the way that you have this morning and realize that Jesus loves you don't waste any time I think right now we should learn that with what we're going through don't waste your moments respond to the message Of Jesus who would put his own self on the cross for your sake if you're a person who's you've been in church for long periods of time you've gotten used to to whether it's coming and sitting and now sitting at home and watching you're used to this routine this shouldn't be a routine Jesus is calling into your hearts as well. He's speaking something out of you and he wants you to respond right now. This is the moment to give your life back to Christ and to to reclaim this victory that has been given to you and to live life passionately. Let me just pray for us this morning and just thank you, Jesus, for the gift that you have given us. Dear Father, Thank you so much for the gift of your son. We get so used to that because we just figure, yeah, that's that's what God does. You didn't have to do this. But you chose to put yourself on the cross for my sake. Somebody who is not worthy, somebody needs who needs your grace desperately. And I thank you that you have done that for each and every one of us. There is none of us who is worthy enough for the gift of your blood, but you chose to give it to us nonetheless because you love us. And Lord, just, just like this choice of putting your life on the line changed yours, Lord, I pray that we, our life is changed by the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.